Welcome to Travel Market Life, your companion for industry insights and professional business development. Travel Market Life. Join us by webcast, video or podcast. Welcome back to Travel Market Life, the industry rundown with myself, Sam and Ryan Haynes. In this episode, we're going to be giving you a sneak peek into the latest podcast series and some upcoming interviews we'll have coming to your ears very soon. In our main feature, we're going to be discussing the value and costs of PR and media campaigns. Travel Market Life. So, hi, Ryan. How are you? Hello, hello. Welcome back, Sam. How was your holiday? It was good. It was interesting, actually. It's one of these things, just so everyone knows who's listening, I was in the uh, Yorkshire Dales for a week once we were able to uh, travel again. So we had a holiday cottage. It was one of those holidays, though, where normally when we have a holiday cottage, we dine out at least probably five times. But it was very, very nippy in the Yorkshire Dales. So it was fantastic to get away and have <laughs> scenery. But we didn't eat out so much because I was kind of like, I don't personally, I have seen people do it, but I don't see the joy in sitting outside of a pub with 20 layers on, shivering into my drink and my dinner. I don't know about you. Oh, I've tried that a couple of times and I haven't enjoyed it. I haven't also enjoyed the fact that you've got uh, seat timing limitations. So you can only get the table for like an hour and a half or a couple of hours before you then have to leave. Uh, my, 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 my last Friday evening, we were sat down for a meal at five o'clock. We were done and dusted by 6.45 p.m. with nowhere else to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not the same, <laughs> is it? <laughs> it's not one Monday. <laughs> Not when you're falling asleep on the sofa at nine o'clock on a Friday. It's definitely not what I was expecting the great reopening to be all about. But just a few more weeks, hopefully, uh, before things will get into some sort of rhythm and everything will be open, or certainly a lot more, and we can enjoy it uh, with uh, maybe a lot less organisation. But this is one of the things that uh, I've been sort of recommending to a lot of hoteliers, uh, particularly when it comes, or even uh, short-term accommodation rental companies, about welcoming guests you know ensuring that they are aware of the venues that are open and the restrictions especially around what needs to be booked and when it needs to be booked because I'm sure you found in your local area and even when you were away how quickly the restaurant bookings are being booked up right now yeah they're really booked up and the problem is as well though is where we were I felt so sorry for a lot of them because they weren't taking deposits so they were finding like one day we'd gone into the pub next to where we were staying and they said we couldn't dine because they were fully booked then she came back about 20 minutes later and she's like actually you can dine because somebody hasn't shown up it's so annoying but would you like their table so we were really grateful but it's tough for the um the pubs and the hoteliers and the restaurateurs when people just don't show you know I mean I think perhaps more in the city you're hearing that they're taking deposits but I think more in rural areas they're not doing that and it's I think they need to do it I would do it if I had a bar or restaurant yeah it's a a hard one because if someone claims they've got covid uh, you have nothing to do but other than to give them a refund um, because they obviously have that right to to need to cancel um, or or just you know or at least call the venue to let them know they're not going to be attending but you're right I've heard a lot of stories and the other issue that we've had in our local area um, bear in mind we're by the beach is that a lot of venues have been closing early 
and um, not actually staying out for their staying open for their full opening hours. So a number of times that we've actually shown up and it's not been late. It's been seven o'clock in the evening and they've actually been closing their bar. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be interesting to see where, how long that lasts. But from conversations that I've had, uh, the difficulty that people are having is finding um, staff, believe it or not. And, and the staff that actually know what they're doing and they've not really had the time to be able to train a lot of them. Uh, I've seen a lot of juniors, especially a lot of uh, 17, 18 year olds, uh, particularly in the cafes, restaurants and bars recently. So um, I, th I think there's going to be, you know, a, a lot of issues around service so this year, unfortunately. Yeah, I saw today, actually, I forget which chef it was, but there was an article in one of the newspapers I read today about a celebrity chef that had commented that they don't know how they're going to open next week because they haven't got the staff. So, um, yeah, it's quite interesting, like you say, because a lot of it was done by um, Europeans, wasn't it? And, of course, they've gone back during COVID and haven't returned to the UK. So these posts have been left unfilled. And some of them didn't just furlough, um, but they actually made their staff redundant. And so you're going to have to source a whole new team. Yeah. Right. So I've got some news, some travel market life news for you. Uh, we have a brand new series being launched. It's called Photographs and Memories, um, where we find some veterans in the travel and hospitality space to share their travel tales with us through three photographs and one souvenir. Hosted by Michael McCartan, the Chief Growth Officer of Atomize, for whom it's also sponsored by, uh, we have an 11-part series coming up, Sam, from next week, which is really, really exciting. Uh, that can be found on our podcast channel. And let's just have a listen um, to the very first episode and some of the snippets from our guest. Photographs and memories. So I've dedicated my souvenir selection today to his memory. Uh, it was the conclusion of a long 12-year journey that before the World Wide Web had become a force that was going to overtake. It's the best blood pressure medicine. It's a wonderful bumper sticker. There's something about the peace of mind that you get stepping into the stream. That is one of my favorite life moments. One of my uh, sharing a glass of Johnny Walker scotch. Don't, don't pick one favorite place. Pick one you don't know and go learn. Photographs and memories a Travel Market Life series sponsored by Atomize. That sounds lovely. I look forward to listening to those. I bet you've got some uh, really sort of unusual and interesting stories from people who have been in the industry for a long time. It's, yeah, be a good one to look forward to. Yeah, what's quite different about this one, Sam, is that whilst we are talking to professionals and their life, perhaps working in the travel industry, you know, and some of their memories relate directly to their experience and love and devotion for being in the travel and hospitality industry. But some of them are just such personal stories that really mark a significant moment in their lives and how it's really impacted them personally and professionally. So it's, it's some really lovely stories to hear. As I say, we've got um, about 11 11 interviews that will be coming out over the next few months with different stories, different photos, different souvenirs. So everybody check that out on travelmarket.life. You can also sign up on LinkedIn to make sure you get notified of the latest episodes. And talking about latest episodes, um, we have a fantastic mini series coming up, Sam, where we're talking to travel podcasters. 
And uh, my latest one coming is from Chris Christensen, um, who's the host of the Amateur Traveller Travel Podcast. Do you know about this guy? Have you heard of him before? If I'm completely honest, I haven't. So I look forward you to be uh, honest. what he has to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this guy, um, I mean, I, I've heard of him before and I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to actually have a conversation with him. Um, and, uh, you know, his, his um, podcast has actually been going for over 15 years. Wow. 15 years of a travel podcast and he covers all types of destinations um, and places and so it's it's so rich full of content perfect for travelers who are looking to find out a bit more about a destination or even travel agents perhaps uh, who want to discover a destination through the uh, through through the words and, and the experiences of chris's guests so uh, the amateur traveler travel podcasts um check that out on travel market life and he also give some tips on how you can set up your own podcast okay so what's next so today we're coming up we're going to be talking about the value of pr an industry i've worked in for a very long time travel market life wow how long have you been working in it now oh since the late 90s <laughs> a long time <laughs> mammoth changes <laughs> yeah so many changes i mean gosh when i first started out in pr it was so very different you know i mean we didn't really email back then we we faxed our press releases if you can ever even begin to imagine doing that and you know the way things was done was very different it was a lot more than about meeting with the journalists way more than people do now i think a lot more face to face a lot more sitting down and getting in front of people um a lot more of stories coming from just chatting to people and things like that more. Whereas nowadays, PR is very based around reactive stuff, what's going on in the news at that time, coming up with different stories that you're perhaps tying into something you may have read on social media. I mean, social media wasn't around when I first started in PR, you know, or it certainly wasn't, if it was around, it wasn't really being used. So, um, so yeah, it's changed a lot. I mean, it's, it's unrecognizable from what I started out. I mean, I, I potentially am probably a bit of a PR fossil nowadays compared to what these youngsters do, but, um, yeah, it's different for sure. Yeah. And it's all about the value of PR. I mean, PR, public relations, a lot of people refer to it as press relations. And today we are going to be talking about the press side of PR and, and running media campaigns and, you know, really understanding what that value is. Why would you do a PR campaign in the first place? Why would you engage in public relations or press relations? Well, first and foremost, I think the big thing about PR, whereas it differs from other forms of marketing, like advertising and things like that, it's the third party endorsement. It's getting somebody else to endorse your product. And I think, you know, I, I know from a reader perspective, for example, and, and I'm not dissing advertising whatsoever, but I don't buy anything from advertising, but I might buy things or get involved in things when I've read about it in an editorial perspective. Because, so yeah, I think the third party endorsement, it feels more real, it feels more authentic than when it's just an advert that somebody has paid for and placed. So PR for me has massive value. 
And for me, it's all about uh, gaining that credibility, as you say, that that trust, um, having recognizable references to you that is external from your own company or external from what you've actually paid for. And then actually being a trending company, a company that is engaged in what's going on in the world and what's going on in their industry, Uh, especially if you are looking at being a challenger brand or to be a leader in the marketplace. If you're not doing PR, then you're losing a massive opportunity to grow your business and particularly reach audiences that you can't necessarily reach uh, through your existing channels. But PR is not free and it's not cheap either. No, no, because I think one thing you see with PR, first of all, when clients approach you or when small businesses approach you they think they're just paying for your service and it's all there and they'll take you on and you'll do their PR so why is it costing them so much money for them to employ you and what people don't realize is the background costs of PR so there's so many little things involved that are very very expensive you know things like paying for media databases paying for press release distribution services. There's so many things that we have to pay for that, you know, I've had things like Red List before now, which is books of like agents for celebrities and things like that. You have to pay for those. So so there's so many things that you have to pay for if you want endorsement, if you want to work with people, and it's not cheap. The other thing is it can be um, resource heavy. It requires a lot of legwork from PR people. I mean, if, if firstly, if you think about your media databases, yes, it's all well and good, maybe having a subscription to a media database, but you need to create your own specific lists. You need to identify those journalists that are going to be most relevant to what your proposition is and the readership that you're trying to reach. So that takes a, a lot of time actually sourcing those developing those relationships if the journalists if you don't necessarily have those relationships already just because an agency has a relationship with a journalist doesn't mean that journalist is necessarily going to be particularly interested in your product so it's all about taking that time for us to actually educate the journalists uh, so they're more aware of um, each client's offering and so as part of that you need to consider the time that's involved um, and then you mentioned um, sort of other subscriptions so certain things that you can sign up to for example are media alerts um, there's uh, some fantastic platforms out there that keep you abreast of the um, latest um, requirements that journalists have maybe for material or insight for articles that they're writing because you know maybe they got a short deadline or um, they're especially now you know editorial teams um, are incredibly stretched so they can't spend as much time investigating and researching as much as they used to so actually being connected on those channels um, is, 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 is so important and social media I'm sure Sam as you've seen has become a, a, a quite a defining channel for engaging with journalists over the last few years yeah definitely I mean like I said when I started out in PR you didn't have things like social media but nowadays 
we engage quite frequently with journalists on Twitter. A lot of them use that when they're sourcing um, ideas for things. A lot of them work on Twitter because it's very easy and quick for them to just have a quick chat with a PR person without filling up their inbox with tons of emails. And it's amazing what can come off the back of a little Twitter chat. So, um, yeah, that's definitely changed the way things work. And the other thing that I always notice when I'm having conversations with people who haven't necessarily done a PR campaign before is the lead time involved. The expectation that you can turn around a press release, get it distributed and sent out to the media and then be able to get coverage literally within a matter of days. Um, because what we have to consider is the different publication schedules of each media outlet that we speak to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is entirely possible to send out a press release and within 10 minutes see some coverage if it's online that you're going for and you're targeting online publications and they pick up your story and instantly run with it. But equally, you if you want to target glossy magazines, for example, there's six month lead times on those. So it's not sure, you know, I mean, it won't be long before they'll be working. I know this sounds ridiculous at the time of year we're in, but it won't be long before they'll be working on their Christmas editions. So if you've got a product that you want to push out for Christmas and you want it to appear in Vogue, for example, you need to be doing it now. And this is what a lot of people don't realize. And as part of lead times, you really need to be thinking about what you're going to be announcing, what you're going to be sharing. One press release ain't going to hit it. You've got to make sure that you've got a series of announcements to keep um, you front of mind for journalists to make sure that they recognize that you're an active, moving, involved business, that you've got something to say and something to share. Um, without any of that, then your media campaign is just going to fall completely flat. So as, as part of your planning, and this is why planning is so important, just ensure that you've got regular announcements that you can actually announce and this can be another issue right sam is that you speak to a pr person and they give you a list of announcements but when it actually comes to it either the contract hasn't been confirmed um, or senior management aren't happy with the messaging or the data isn't necessarily as accurate as it needs to be so they're not willing for that to be sent out you've got to consider all these different factors that could prevent you from actually engaging with the media with the right content and you've got to make sure you've got all your assets in place and again some of the issues that we occasionally have is not having images to share with the media. Yeah, that's one of the worst ones you come across, actually, because, you know, depending on the story, quite often they want an image, whether it be an image of a product or whether it be an image of a person who's who's the spokesperson for that company. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I always try and say to clients from the outset. Like you say, get get your ideas in place. What are your stories and get your imagery in place and everything else that you need? Make sure your website's ready for people to come to it. Make sure everything in the background is there for when we need it, when we've got to direct people people to get more information or provide journalists with the stuff they need like you say images especially now just some things to also consider when it comes to financing your pr um, some costs and um, sam mentioned one of them the press wires now if you're looking at reaching a wide number of verticals or looking at uh, maybe international distribution your press wires could be the best option so you'll need to make sure that you've got budget available for each press release and that can be anywhere between 750 to several thousand pounds per press release depending on the reach you want to get. The other point is coverage monitoring. Now, you might think your Google Alerts do the job. They don't. The truth is that they're 
poor. So what you need to be thinking about is how you can use someone like Meltwater News. Even they're not brilliant, to be honest, are they? Um, online coverage is perhaps one of the most difficult to be able to monitor for, um, and they constantly miss out. Yeah, they do. Um, I mean, I've used Meltwater in the past, and they're okay, but I don't think there's any one absolutely amazing media monitoring agency they all miss stuff so it's almost like if if you're a client with a lot of budget I would say have a couple on your books if you can afford it obviously most people can't afford that but you know have what you can definitely don't rely on google alerts because it's not ideal it doesn't pick up everything and you miss so much that you could be reading about your business elsewhere you know so if you've not got the time yourself to buy every publication you think you might be featured in. And the other one you get sometimes is I've had this in the past while well ago now, but clients say to me, well, why don't you get the journalist to tell you when, when they've, they've published that article? I was like, they don't do that. They get thousands of press releases a day. They're not going to email and go, oh, by the way, Sam, I, I got your press release and it's going in this date and this is the page it's going to be on. So watch out for it. They don't do that. And I don't blame them. So, you know, Coverage monitoring is a service that is irritatingly expensive, but ultimately necessary. And also you need to be thinking when you do get coverage and you want to share that maybe um, uh, with, with, with your stakeholders, your customers, is the licenses that are involved. If you are reproducing any of this coverage, you're going to have to pay for a license to be able to do that. And some publications will refuse outright completely a reproduction of their articles. So make sure you've got those right licenses in place. A couple other things um, to be considering uh, when looking at your PR media campaign, um, advertorial versus editorial. Yeah, so there's, there's similarities and differences. Advertorial is obviously a bit more like an advert, but you get to write it so that it appears more like a piece of editorial. Um, they're actually quite worthwhile giving a go. There is a cost involvement in them and it does vary, but it's it's worth considering if you really really desperately want to be in a specific title um i generally don't advocate it as a rule but sometimes it can really work for a business i'm i'm more of an old-fashioned i prefer to see good quality editorial written by a journalist that you've worked with and spoken to um and taken it from there no, I agree. And I think it depends at what maturity your business is at, particularly with certain sectors or verticals. Uh, the only way to actually get visibility might be through placing an advert or an advertorial. And as you say, an advertorial perhaps looks a little bit more authentic um, than an advert. It gets all your messages across. Um, and if you're looking at trialing a new sector, a new market, um, that's one way to go because you can see if your messaging is actually working newsjacking this is one of your favorites sam yeah you can't be a good newsjack so i mean basically for those that don't know what i'm on about it's involves keeping an eye on what's going on in the news and then ultimately responding and contacting the journalists that are writing these pieces and jumping on board with your say on what this topic is so whether that be you know lately with it being the lockdowns and the easing you know you might want to jump in with your point of view on that if you're a, a pub or a restaurant or a hotel um, or whether you're a tour operator and it's just a really good opportunity to kind of put yourself out there you know somebody as a spokesperson with a little snippet of you know useful information that journalists can find helpful whether it be that you're giving them a stat or 
um, just commenting on it. And sometimes it's worth being a little bit uh, controversial in these situations as well, because it just gets you that ultimate bit of coverage. Just be careful what you say. You don't want to say anything stupid, but it's good to sometimes say something a little bit controversial that might start another um, conversation. And newsjacking, no, is time intensive. So you've got to make sure that you have the PR resources to be able to do it. You need a team that can respond um, to a media opportunity as soon as it comes through. Um, Otherwise, that will be lost. Um, Some other tips that we give in our blog, which you can find on haynesmarcoms.agency, look at uh, how you can utilize press strips, um, competitions or readers offers, stunts and events, roundtables, and utilizing reports and insights to drive coverage and media awareness. And finally, crisis management. Um, one, uh, two, one of, well, I'll say two of our, both you and I have had a lot of experience at crisis management. Why is that so important? Yeah, it's one of those things that all people hope they never really need, but it's really important to have a crisis management in plan if you need to react on something very quickly. Now, obviously, it depends on the type of business you run. I've worked a lot with aviation um, and airlines, so they obviously have big crisis management plans in place from the outset of what to do because there's so many things that could happen with an airline. And, you know, you've got to have it ready because if something happens, those journalists will be on the phone in a second. And if you haven't got a plan in mind of what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, key contacts, you know, you need to be able to have the mobile phone number of the MD, CEO of the business so that you can get hold of them because they're going to be needing to give a quote and a comment on what's going on in that crisis. So it's having all this in place and and having the right members of staff as well available to act on every side of it, you know, so from people who are there dealing with the customer service things right through to the ones that are liaising with the people like us as the PRs to give us the information to feed onto journalists of how you're handling the crisis that's going on. So yeah, it's um, it's an element of PR that when we, you know, depending on the businesses we work with, we will discuss from the outset on creating a plan. And it, it hopefully you'll never, ever, ever use it. But if you haven't got it there, then it's bound to be a problem arise. Indeed, yes. And I've been in that uh, situation before. I'm actually working from an American crisis management plan for a UK media. And they are two very, very different marketplaces. Well, um, that was all to do with the value of PR. You can also find another blog post where we've looked at how to build credibility, which is very much connected to public and press relations. So head to the Haynes Marcoms page for that. Um, But uh, that has been Sam and Ryan for the industry rundown and a little insight into marketing, PR and communications that should hopefully help you with your market outreach. So don't forget to check out all of our other podcasts on travelmarket.life for other tips and ideas and information. And uh, thank you for joining us today and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Bye-bye. For more, go to Travel Market Life. The music sensation by Zach Nelson is reproduced under license from Storyblocks. Travel Market Life is a Haynes Marcoms digital marketing agency production serving the travel and technology industries.